God says that destruction to those who love him, for example, the persecuted church, that will be answered. They didn't get away with it. God is going to judge. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV program, taking you through the Bible from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation chapter 22 each and every year. Today we read Jeremiah 48. This is the last part of Jeremiah. And as we read it, we're going to see all of this. So that's interesting. Stay there. Corey? Today I'm going to be taking a look at Egypt and its relationship with Judah, specifically in the, the, the years leading up towards Judah's fall. Ryan? Today I'm going to be exploring just how important the Arnon River was and is to all forms of life. All right. Very good. Look forward to that. Janice? Today my segment's called The Presence of God. All right, very good. Let's open up the Bible guide. In the Bible, let's listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to us right now. Jeremiah 48, verses 1 through 10. Against Moab. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Woe to Nebo, for it is plundered. Kirjathaim is shamed and taken. The high stronghold is shamed and dismayed. No more praise of Moab. In Heshbon they have devised evil against her. Come, and let us cut her off as a nation. You also shall be cut down, O madmen. The sword shall pursue you. A voice of crying shall be from Horonaim, plundering and great destruction. Moab is destroyed. Her little ones have caused a cry to be heard. For in the ascent of Luhith, they ascend with continual weeping. For in the descent of Horonaim, the enemies have heard a cry of destruction. Flee, save your lives, and be like the juniper in the wilderness. For because you have trusted in your works and your treasures, you also shall be taken. And Chemosh shall go forth into captivity, his priests and his princes together. And the plunderer shall come against every city. No one shall escape. The valley also shall perish, and the plain shall be destroyed as the Lord has spoken. Give wings to Moab, that she may flee and get away, for her cities shall be desolate without any to dwell in them. Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully, and cursed is he who keeps back his sword from blood. Jeremiah chapter 48, verses 1 through 10. Jeremiah chapter 45, 46, 47, and 48, four chapters as we continue reading the Bible. And it is fascinating as we discover what God is talking to us about. What we say and what we do, not always the same thing. Now, as I think about this, I find myself thinking about how each monetary coin and bill in the USA has the inscription, in God we trust. In each transaction of U.S. currency, the exchange makes the claim 
that the USA and the one spending or spends or buys with money trust in God. I wonder how many do and how many are instead trusting in the power of the money itself. It's also interesting that we are moving away from physical currency. Inscriptions like these, in God we trust, will be eliminated and removed. Now, these are interesting times. Trust me, I understand. But the question will always remain, however, do we really trust in God or are we relying on human systems of defense and protection? Moab was a country that originated from Lot through incest. And it was not very friendly to ancient Israel. Now, God called Jeremiah to speak about his coming judgment on Moab. No matter how much protection they thought they had. God is beginning to speak today about other nations. We have a a new nation born in 1948 named by God. Even though that nation itself seems to not understand everything about God. That nation is Israel. How do we treat Israel? Very interesting. As we study this, trust in the Lord, Jeremiah 48, 1-10. Let's pray. Father, I ask today that you would help us to hear you in studying your word. Help us to hear you and we pray today that your Holy Spirit would be active and work in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, because we need to understand if we trust in you, in Jesus' name, and we said together, amen. I will never forget the missionary who came through, and uh, he was speaking at our service, and we had a service, and he said, wow, Rod, that's a great service. You guys really love the Lord. And he looked at me, and he said, but do you trust him? That's a very good question. It's a very good question, and I would ask all of us that. We love the Lord, but do we really trust him? Very interesting. Okay. Well, let's go to the scripture, chapter 48, 1 to 3. Against Moab, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Woe to Nebo, for it is plundered. Kajaratham is shamed and taken. The high stronghold is shamed and dismayed. No more praise of Moab in Heshbon. They devised evil against her. Come and let us cut her off as a nation. You also shall be cut down, O madmen. The sword shall pursue you. A voice of crying shall be from Hororium. Plundering and great destruction. There's a lot of words here. And destruction will come to those who curse God and curse his people. We must honor and love the Lord in everything we say and do. There is a wonderful passage. God spoke to Abram. He says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. It's really important that we pay attention to who God is investing in. And this is a great time for Israel. It's a wonderful time. And we need to pray for them. Pray for peace. Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's reaching a million people right now. Something we need to pray for. Something we need to understand. God is dealing with the world in a very unique way right now. Jeremiah 48, verses 48 say, Moab is destroyed. Her little ones have caused a cry to be heard. 
For in the ascent of Lehuth, they ascend with continual weeping. For in the descent of Horium, the enemies have heard a cry of destruction. Flee! Save your lives! And be like the juniper in the wilderness. For because you have trusted in your works, for because you have trusted in your works and your treasures, you also shall be taken. And Chemosh shall go forth in captivity, his priest and his princes together. And the plunder shall come against every city. No one shall escape. The valley also shall perish and the plain shall be destroyed as the Lord has spoken. This is fascinating. Do not trust in your possessions. Do not trust in your money to help you. Do not trust in the things we make. The Lord Jesus Christ is our only hope and help in all of time. Jesus Christ is the one who can help us through everything because he is God. And so if we invite Jesus Christ into our life to live there, to be there, then we trust in God. Very important. Remember that, beloved. Let's, let's all trust in God. Not in the armies. Not in the numbers of the military. Not in all that. Let's trust in God. Let's come to him and align our hearts with him. Very important. All right, Jeremiah 48, 9 and 10 say, Give wings to Moab, wings to Moab, that she may flee and get away. For her city shall be desolate without any to dwell in them. Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully. Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully. And cursed is he who keeps back his sword from blood. Hmm. Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully. Did you hear that scripture? The work of the Lord deceitfully. God's work is not just what we do, but how we do it. God's work is not just what we do, but how we do it. God's work is not what we do to give his impression, but it's who we are. God changes us from the inside out, and it's who we are. We need to understand that. When we deviate from God, when we move away from the Lord, we change. When we come close to Jesus Christ and invite the Lord in, His Holy Spirit comes into us and we change. We change for good. So, beloved, we need to understand that if we want to change, we have to come to the Lord and say, Jesus Christ, I want to change. I know the world is going through crazy things. But we need to show the Lord now. And we need to be the people that we say we are, Christians, Christ followers. We need to do that and not think about all these other things. We need to focus on what you want us to be because you have placed us here. We're still alive. We're still breathing. And you placed us here. So help us, Lord, on this day. And in the name of Jesus Christ, this is what we ask. And we're going to say, Lord, make it so. So in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we say make it so or we say amen. That's what make it so means, amen, or amen means make it so. Beloved, let's hear the Lord today and become what God wants us to be in this time.
Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Welcome back to the program. Today I have a fun little piece on the River Arnon, which we first read about in Numbers chapter 21, but is also mentioned in our assigned reading today. And in this segment, I want to explore the geography of the Arnon to see how important it was and is not just to human beings, but also to a lot of different wildlife. And part of what makes this river so unique is its extremely high and low elevations. It starts high up in the Arabian mountains and ends off at the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place on the earth. Check it out. Since very ancient times, the river Arnon has played an important role as a territorial border. In fact, the Bible first mentions the Arnon as the boundary line between the Moabites and Ammonites, and would prove to be a key location for many years to come. This incredibly unique river system begins high up in the hills of northern Arabia before coursing westward down through a deep narrow gorge that eventually empties into the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place on the earth at 410 meters below sea level. Since the Arnon is 900 meters above sea level at its highest point, this means that it has a variation in elevation of 1300 meters or 4300 feet. Also adding to its flow is a network of seven connecting tributaries, referred to as the Valleys of the Arnon in the Biblical narrative. Although this river has since dried up into a wadi, now called the Wadi Mujib, the ancient importance of the river and of the towns in its vicinity is attested by the numerous ruins of bridges, forts, and buildings found upon or near it. Its forts are alluded to by Isaiah, and its heights, crowned with the castles of chiefs, were also celebrated in Numbers 21-28. Military campaigns in the wadis of the Arnon also form part of the subject matter of the now-lost Book of the Wars of the Lord, and there's even remains of an old Roman road and bridge. But the Arnon hasn't only been a hotspot for humans, it's also home to large amounts of wildlife. Because of its extreme changes in elevation, combined with the valley's year-round water flow from its seven tributaries, the Arnon enjoys a magnificent biodiversity that is still being explored and documented to this day. So far, over 300 species of plants, 10 species of carnivores, and numerous species of permanent and migratory birds have been recorded. Furthermore, some of the remote mountain and valley areas are difficult to reach and thus offer safe havens for rare species of cats, goats, and other mountain animals, such as the striped hyena, the Syrian wolf, the Caracal mountain cat, and one of the most endangered animals of the Arnon, the Nubian ibex, which is a large mountain goat that became threatened as a result of overhunting. And despite the fact that the surrounding geography is mostly desert, the slopes of the mountainous land are very sparsely vegetated, with a steppe-type vegetation on plateaus. The less severe slopes are actually used by shepherds for the grazing of sheep and goats. Furthermore, groundwater seepage does occur in places along the Dead Sea shore, such as at the hot springs of Zara, which support a luxuriant thicket of acacia, tamarix, phoenix, and nerium, as well as a small marsh. 
Truly, the Arnon has been and continues to be an important place on planet Earth. So as you can see, the River Arnon has been and remains to be a very important place. And although it has since dried up into a wadi, even today it's an impressive sight. As a matter of fact, it's a very popular tourist, tourist attraction, and you can actually pay for a tour guide to take you on a hike through its deep gorge. But what's the point of all this? What's the point of my segment today? Well, we can see that the Bible isn't a book of fiction, as some suppose. It records real events, real people, and real places, and that fact helps to substantiate its lofty claim that it is the very Word of God. But don't take my word for it. I challenge all of you who might be questioning the Bible to test it for yourself. You know, it's critically important because if the Bible is a factual account, then it can't be ignored. Why? Because of the eternal implications. The Bible says that without the repentance of sins and without putting our trust in Jesus Christ, we will be eternally condemned. For the sake of our souls then, shouldn't that be an investigation that we make without delay? Just think about it. You know, that's one of the reasons that we do this program is to highlight the Bible. We believe the Word of God, but then to challenge people and to say, this is the Word of God and we believe it's the Word of God, this is what it said. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we, we try to emphasize to everybody who's watching and that becomes very important. Mm. So very good, Ryan. Corey. All right. So I want to focus in on Jeremiah chapter 46 today. And Jeremiah chapter 46 uh, begins a section of the book of Jeremiah that records prophecies that Jeremiah was given against nations and about nations throughout his entire career. So these, these aren't given to him after the fall of Jerusalem and, and Judah. It's not in chronological order. So this section is from 46 to, to 51. And it's really, really interesting. But I want to focus on 46 specifically today because we see that this was a prophecy given to Cher Jeremiah about the battle of Carchemish Kar uh, that Pharaoh Necho and the Egyptians fought against uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians and Pharaoh Necho lost. So this prophecy was about the outcome of this battle. Now Pharaoh Necho is mentioned here and Josiah is mentioned here because this battle came about four years after uh, Josiah died in battle against Pharaoh Necho. So really interesting historical uh, circumstances surrounding this prophecy. So let's take a look then at Egypt's relationship with Judah, with Babylon, and how this all played out on the political world stage. Take a look. As the Bible's recorded history approaches the fall of the nation of Judah, it begins to mention three world powers contemporary with the last several kings of Jerusalem, Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. The Assyrian Empire was on a steady decline, a revolt launched by Nebopolassar, self-declared king of what he promised would become the resurrected Babylonian Empire, had begun to win major battles against the Assyrian kings. With Assyria on the run from Babylon, Judah and her capital city of Jerusalem enjoyed a time of relative freedom and, I'm sure, apprehension about the shift in world powers that was occurring all around her. Famously, in 2 Kings 23 and 2 Chronicles 35, Josiah, the godly king of Judah, goes out to face Pharaoh Necho of Egypt in battle. 
This battle claims Josiah's life, even though the Bible is clear that Egypt's target was not Judah. Egypt was marching through Judah on her way to meet the Assyrian army at Carchemish. In the struggle against Babylon, the Assyrian Empire had called on Egypt as her ally. Together, they would face and lose battles to Babylon. In the process, however, Egypt temporarily took Judah and her kings as vassals. Pharaoh Necho appointed Jehoiakim, a son of Josiah willing to pledge allegiance to Egypt, to the throne of Jerusalem. This sworn loyalty to Egypt explains why Jehoiakim would feel brave enough to rebel against the Babylonian Empire. History tells us that Pharaoh Necho did his duty by marching up to face Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, in battle over Judah. But Egypt lost, leaving Judah and Jehoiakim to face a short Babylonian siege and the first wave of exiles being taken to Babylon. Judah's leadership would make this mistake once again and against the advice of God's prophet depend on her own strength and an allegiance with Egypt. It's really interesting to also keep in mind that some of these prophecies would have been what marked Jeremiah as a true prophet of God, because he would have given a prophecy about the Battle of Carchemish, and then the Battle of Carchemish would have happened, and people would have been able to see that the outcome of this battle was exactly what Jeremiah had prophesied. So, uh, you know, true prophets of God were involved with predictive prophecy on, you know, some pretty major scales as well as minor scales scales at home as well. And this was a consistent mark of a prophet was that they were getting things right consistently, uh, you know, with, with no mistakes. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, clear, clearly, Jeremiah was a prophet of God. There's mm -hmm. no question about that. I think that's why he lasted as long. He, he wasn't murdered. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Janice? Well, the presence of God is what I titled my segment today based on Jeremiah chapter 48. It is the judgment on Moab. And I want to make a couple of statements off the top. Number one, the presence of God always brings change. The presence of God always brings change. Now God's judgment comes when we willfully choose to walk away and be rebellious towards God. Did you hear what I said? God's judgment comes when we willfully choose to walk away and be rebellious towards him. And you can see that his judgment here against Moab. And I just want to read a couple of verses before I switch into something else. And Moab shall be destroyed as a people because he exalted himself against the Lord. Fear and the pit and the snare shall be upon you, O inhabitant of Moab, says the Lord. He who flees from the fear shall fall into the pit, and he who gets out of the pit shall be caught in the snare. For upon Moab, upon it, I will bring the year of their punishment, says the Lord. Now, in contrast, the safety and deliverance of God when we choose to follow him with his help in our lives is amazing. It's amazing when we willfully choose to follow God. He becomes our safety and deliverance. It reminded me of Psalm 91. And in the closing moments of my segment, I would like to read it to you. Because when we call on God truly with our heart, he hears us and he answers us. Listen to this in contrast to God's judgment against Moab, who willfully chose against him, to those who willfully choose to follow God. 
He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall uh, trample underfoot. And this is God speaking now. Because he has set his love upon me, Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91. This is the God if you choose to willfully follow him. He becomes your protection. He becomes your safety. And his judgment, because of the work of Jesus Christ done on the cross in his death and resurrection, we have forgiveness of our sins. And if we choose to give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him, know his word and put it in our hearts, he will help us. And we have forgiveness, not judgment of God. Very, very important. Do that today. We ask, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you would touch the people and help them to come to you, help them to invite you, Lord Jesus, into their life to be their Savior and their Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we need to pray, and as we do so, we've followed up the prayers that we've already listed on the screen. But let's pray together, you and I. Father, I pray today that you would help us to know who you are. And if people are listening, don't know you, come into our lives, forgive us of our sin. We know you died on the cross and rose again, and we need you in our life. Give us a new life, give us your Holy Spirit, and help us to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.